God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonora Cravota. Hello, Leonora. Good morning, Scott. So, you know, I'm reading a bunch of stuff uh, coming out of Russia. Uh, they're aggressive in uh, Yemen now. And they're aggressive. Uh, they've always been aggressive in Syria, you know. But they're also aggressive in Serbia. And... Uh, it just makes you wonder why it is that they're doing what they're doing. And the you know thing that I think it's glaringly obvious is look at what they did with Crimea and look at what they did with Ukraine in the face of Obama, right? And then they sat on their hands during the Trump administration because Putin didn't want to play chess with Trump. Yeah. Putin did not want to be embarrassed by Trump. Putin saw himself getting embarrassed. But Biden, Putin, it's a whole different story. No, he knows exactly <laughs> what a Biden's going to do. Biden's going to shut his mouth if he knows what's good for him. Or fall why? down the stairs. Yeah, but he's going to shut his mouth if he knows what's good for him. And the reason why Biden has to shut his mouth and suck his thumb is because he's so corrupt that that Putin would leak whatever he wants to leak. But right now you have um, Russian intelligence uh, with uh, all kinds of hacking going on in Ma- Macedonia, uh, which is a, a situation in and of itself. But you also have this uh, escalation in uh, Yemen. And uh, in addition to that, you have starvation in Syria. So um, I said this, this story needs to be told. In Syria, the, the war of hunger is taking over from the war of guns. Great dollops of hypocrisy invariably accompany expressions of concern by outside powers for the well-being of the Syrian people. But even by these low standards, a new record for self-serving dishonesty is being set by the Caesar Civilian Protection Act 
the new U.S. law imposing the harshest sanctions in the world on Syria and bringing millions of Syrians to the brink of famine. Now, does anyone even give two cents about the Syrian people? You know, you might not like Assad and you might uh, think that somehow Russia and Syria and, and Assad are getting in the way of your ability to do business if you're Lindsey Graham. But this crushing of people that these neocons like Lindsey Graham or these liberals that support Lindsey Graham policies uh, could care less about the well-being of these people. These people have been probably uh, taking the brunt of it for the last 20 years. Yeah. Whether it's the fallout and the uh, refugees coming in to Syria from Iraq, when we were bombing the crap out of Iraq with senseless bombs, for what gain? What do we gain? How much do we spend? And how much do we get? George W. Bush, another neocon, ignoramus, you know, was recently uh, talking about uh, the... Um, capital invasion and how horrible it was. Well, compare that to the kind of stuff that George W. Bush did in Syria. If I was a journalist and I was able to interview George W. Bush, I'd ask him that. Yeah. I'd say, you care so much about this capital um, fake hoax, this capital January 6th fake hoax. You care so much about that, but you could care less about the Syrian people. These Syrian people are dying on the vine. Well, you know, as many of our listeners know, my mother was born in Syria. And for a number of years, I mean, my mother passed away a few years ago, she was in close contact with relatives in Syria. And some of the things that they were talking about that that was going on in there, you know, in relatively recent years, would be shocking to people. Right. She was an Armenian Christian. Yeah. And she was born in Syria. She came here when she was a little girl. Her father had become a citizen. I remember being in the room with her. Yeah. And she would call her family in Syria, and she would be speaking this Armenian, right? Fluent Armenian. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> her, that's her um, mother tongue. But the, the point I'm saying is that there were problems that have been going on there for a long time. And there's been difficulties in the Middle East, you know, for most of, you know, our lifetimes. But these stories, you know, like the image that you have on your Facebook page are not getting told right now. And we're always talking about ending the forever wars. We're always talking about, you know, not doing, being engaged in nation building. But yet we, this is still going on and we're focused on things that are less important like okay let's uh, get remove the name Lincoln from every uh, building in the United States I mean you know we're focused on things that do not matter do you know who authored the piece on Syria it was this guy named Patrick Cockburn mm-hmm. he works for the Uns Review mm-hmm. you know the Uns right? uh, yeah, I, I don't know him but I know <laughs> yeah. the name of the person yeah, I know yeah. I know of him yeah very well <laughs> um, uh, supposedly aimed at safeguarding ordinary Syrians from violent repression President Biden, uh, President uh, by President Bashar al-Assad, the law is given a humanitarian garnish by naming it after the Syrian military photogra- photographer who filmed and smuggled out of the country pictures of thousands of Syrians killed by the government. Yeah. But instead of protecting Syrians, as it claims, the Caesar Act is a measure of collective punishment that is impoverishing people and governing in government and opposition-held areas alike. So 
Bad though the situation in Syria was after 10 years of warfare and a long-standing economic embargo, the crisis has got much worse in the nine months since the law was implemented on June 17th last year. It has raised the number of Syrians who are close to starvation to 12.4 million, or 60% of the population, according to the UN. You know, one of the things that uh, really hurt Syria Mm -hmm. was... Obama's financing and supporting, and, and Biden, too. Yeah. Uh, they financed and supported, and, and Lindsey Graham did this, too. Um, they endorsed the financing of, uh, of ISIS, and they used to call it ISIL. And nobody even wanted to ask the question, why do you call it ISIL, and why do you call it ISIS? And one means Islamic State in Sham and the other means Islamic State in Levant. And in Levant is sort of like a really nice little gift that you can give to the, the, the cause and the movement. Uh, because there you're basically saying Levant. That means you have a landmass that's uh, much, much larger than uh, that of uh, in Sham, which is a smaller region of the world. But they also released al-Baghdadi from Camp Bukha back then. And you wonder, why in the world would they do that? Of all the prisoners that you would release, why would you do that one? You know, it do- doesn't make any sense. And, um, you know, so just want to make sure that we're our audio is working. I saw some something that indicated we might have a problem, but I don't think we do. No problem. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, so... Uh, they financed Iraq, uh, I, I mean ISIS, and ISIS then took over Iraq, and there were refugees going into Syria, but then they set up headquarters in Syria, ISIS, Raqqa, Syria. And what they did was they pretty much controlled Syria. And how, how did they do it? Because al-Assad, an Alawite Shia himself, like Iranians are Shia, Al-Assad is a Shia, but he's an Alawite Shia. It's a little different Shia. Um, but 80% of the population in Syria was Sunni. Hmm. That seems kind of hard. So how would you control that population that would probably cut your throat if they were given the chance? But it's a kingdom, you know, because the Assad family took over Syria in the 70s. And right away, the first thing they did was they aligned themselves with Russia and they uh, gave up a, a big navy base called Targus. It's just uh, off the coast of uh, well, off the coast of that is Cyprus, the island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean. Yeah. And so that geographic region, that geographic area, is very strategic for shipping lanes and for access to the Middle East from from through by way of Europe. And they they had a great relationship. So just two years ago, they signed a 50-year lease. Russia's going nowhere. So there's no way that you're going to take over Syria. But the other part was to control the 80% population. To control that population, you, you had to make them defenseless. How did they do that? They, they took away the guns. The right to bear arms didn't exist. Yeah. You know, so um, in any case... Um, you had these. Uh, that's the, that's why it's so important that we keep our Second Amendment, right? 
Absolutely. It's absolutely important that we have the right to form a militia. And, or, or we could have uh, what happened to Syrians happen to us. And we don't want that to happen as a middle class working foundation of, uh, of America. We don't want the middle class to be crushed and thrown in, thrown in the chambers uh, like the people in Syria. But this, um, this two, the, the war of hunger uh, can, can get, you know, to, this whole thing can be an ex- exponential problem amounting to genocide and what have you. But that's one of the problems that's the unintended consequence of that, but then you got this situation escalating in Yemen. Now, the Yemen part even becomes more deadly because that involves Saudi Arabia. Because the um, Yemen, you got the Houthis, right. which are supported by the Iranian Shia, and then you got the Sunni militants. And Saudi Arabia doesn't want to have things so close to the you know Yemen is adjacent; it's the border country of Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia right now is fortified with uh, much greater uh, military potential than they once had because of the deal that was struck by Trump right? President Trump and Saudi Arabia but still when you start to see things heating back up in Yemen you start to worry about the conflict there and how that's going to impact oil prices uh, shipping lanes and why it is that Russia is now involved, and that's the that's the concerning p- component to that. And um, so I was trying to find the um, oh yeah right here. Of course, it's the shipping lanes. He says they have targets in Syria already. What does Russia want in southern Yemen, which has priority uh, geopolitical and political interests? So. This is an article that um, uh, started writing about this, and uh, it was by CD Media, and it says, uh, let's see, slow to come up. What does Russia want in southern Yemen, which has priority geopolitical or political interests? So this was written by a guy named Mohammed Salami. No relation to salami, kid salami, uh, from Paradise Alley. And no relation to the food group. (laughs) In recent months, the visit of officials from the Southern Transitional Council, Southern Transitional Council, to Moscow shows the group's growing ties with Russia. Moscow's goal from the beginning of these relations is to secure its geopolitical interest and, of course, pursue economic and political goals along with geopolitical goals. Russians' relations with Yemen are of long standing. The USSR was closely allied with South Yemen, officially the People's Democratic Republic of Yemen. South Yemen was the first Arab country to officially adopt communist ideas between 1967 and 1990, and thus had an extensive relations with the Soviet Union in 1990, South Yemen united with North Yemen, and the Republic of Yemen was established. Russia's geopolitical goals in southern uh, Yemen. Russia 
seeks to achieve its geopolitical goals through close cooperation with the Transitional Council. In Yemen, it is trying to maintain its extensive relations with all parties involved in Yemen. Moscow's policy is not to side with any particular party in the Yemeni political military scene. It legitimizes the administration of uh, Mansour Hadi and maintains ties with the Houthis, maintains ties with the Houthis, which are supported and backed by Iran, and respects the power-seeking attitudes of the southern movements. However, Russia's main goal in southern Yemen is to ensure a military presence in the strategic Babylon Strait, one of the straits down there, which connects the Red Sea to the Gulf of Aden. All right, so so that's really um, what's been going on there. And uh, you got to figure, okay, they got the Mediterranean you know, uh, presence with Targus in Syria. And naturally, this would be the southern part, and they would want to have control there. But they're, they're, their moves are somewhat aggressive. That's the part that I think is kind of like the important part, is when you look at all this in the aggregate. And when you look at it in the aggregate, you got to say, well, you know, uh, it seems like they're on the move. I said basically Putin is on the move again, like with Ukraine and Crimea and uh, Crimea in the face of Obama, now with Yemen and Bulgaria in the face of Biden. Uh, Bulgaria expels two Russian diplomats suspected of espionage. The post-Bulgarian expels two Russian diplomats suspected of espionage appeared first on CD Media. So this was basically a, a whole nother um, area of the world and a whole nother ball game. But you had that, and then you also had the the uh, court case where they're cracking down, they're, they're sentencing these cyber hackers, uh, Russian hackers, that were hacking in Macedonia. So what is up with this? I mean, that you didn't see Russia acting out like this during the Trump administration. No. That's my point. That's why I think it's important. That's why I'm bringing it up is because um, it's not just enough to worry about China or Kim Jong-un. Uh, there's a lot more to worry about. And I just want to say here uh, that uh, there's another article that uh, talks about Kim and G, And I said, way to go, Joe. Xi Jinping and Kim Jong-un shared message, messages reaffirming China-North Korea alliance. So in Seoul, South Korea, the leaders of China and North Korea are reaffirming their traditional alliance following contentious talks between top diplomats from Washington and Beijing and diplomatic isolation and economic problems in the North that have left it ever more dependent on the Chinese. So that's also another cause for concern. I just think that Joe Biden is in over his head. And oh, once again, Hunter Biden is knee-deep in corruption in China. Yeah. So whether it's Ukraine or Russia or whether it's the Middle East, you got corruption everywhere you turn. Because you have these Washingtonian politicians, they're all about getting rich quick right. and rich first. 
So this is another area of concern. And now uh, there's a, there's an extension to this. It's not neatly tidy on my Facebook. I didn't have time to uh, update my uh, Twitter uh, today. But, um, but I'm getting to it. It says, The Trump administration took swift actions in its final months to ban investments in communist China military companies in an effort to curb Beijing's access to the lucrative U.S. stock market. However, more work needs to be done to protect U.S. capital markets and critical technologies, according to a panel of China experts. That there's a need to modernize U.S. laws and export controls, and this is according to um, uh, a couple of experts in the in in that area. Um, the U.S. Department of Commerce said on March 19th at a hearing uh, by the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission. The United States should come to terms with the reality that the business dealings with the Chinese firms have aided the growth of Chinese military industrial complex for the last four decades. So, you know, that was one of the things that was an offshoot of what Hunter Biden did. When Hunter Biden, when they say he walked out of China with $1.5 billion mm-hmm. in his pocket, well, it didn't all come in, it came in $500 million chunks and things like that. Right. And um, the issue was that they bought, they, they purchased these companies. And we can go back to pre-election, and we were talking about this quite a bit. I forgot some of it. But I remember what they did was they purchased a company in Michigan, I believe it was. And um, so they purchased this company with the million, the billions that China gave gave them. And they uh, basically took millions of that and bought this company. Then they retooled the company. And they started to, you know, if the company was making gaskets or something, right? Um, they retooled the gaskets, you know, to make yeah. them so that they were customized to fit, you know, military equipment related to the CCP. Right. Which would have had, you know, would, would have been akin to treason, really. But in the name of making money, it was okay. And it was the CFIUS court or the CFIUS group that would greenlight that. And who is the CFIUS? The, the people that sit on the panel for CFIUS are the same people that are part of the administration. So, for example, Joe Biden's vice president overseeing the CFIUS court. John Kerry, for example, uh, and Christopher Hines was in on that deal. So you got Christopher Hines going to CFIUS where one of the judges or one of the judgmental people, they're not technically judges, but one of the people that are as a decision maker as to whether or not you get the green light or the red light on the deal could be stepdaddy, John Kerry, because he was on the CFIUS court. And so, and they call it a court loosely. It's just a term. Um, but in any case... Now, if you're Trump and you want to get that same deal, you're going to get a red light. Right. You're going to get a no. 
flat no. Why? Because my son wants to have a monopoly and doesn't want to have any fair market competition. So get your take your business elsewhere. Right. So now you can get to jack up the prices. Who pays for all this? Well, the United States taxpayer pays for a lot of this stuff. Uh, one way or the other, it's going to come back and hurt us. It's going to help China. But who cares? Because China is like making the deal with the devil. China doesn't have any rules. All the rules are upstairs in the head office in China. And whatever laws are on the books, it doesn't matter. We're going to go ahead and take you behind closed doors, and you're going to mm-hmm. regret the day that you ever questioned us. And that's about where it is right now with that. Yeah. So we got a lot of stuff going on, folks. Meanwhile, you got these little stories like Kamala Harris does not salute the military. Unlike former Vice Presidents Pence and Biden, uh, Kamala Harris does not salute the military when she arrives at or steps off Air Force Two, unlike her predecessors. That's because she's an anarchist. I mean, that's, that's what it basically comes down to. What, what world are we living in? Yeah. I mean, where we're, we're getting these people that are calling American people mm-hmm. racist, yeah. whether it's that, you know, Gupta woman, yeah. right? Or just these people that just seem to have it out for America. Mallorca's uh, lying through his teeth with respect to blaming Trump's. Right. Admi- you know, I mean, just look at the numbers, dude. Yeah. Th- these people are morons thinking that America is morons. Right. And they we're sitting there listening to them with rational thought, and we're saying, "Dude, you're completely out to lunch. How in the world did you ever get? Oh, that's right, you got elected because, yeah, you cheated. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the mainstream media covered it up. The mainstream media that's actually interviewing the dude is the part of the problem. So you got the interviewer and the interviewee. They're both crooks with their hands right. in the cookie jar, and they're both benefiting from it, or are they? When is it going to eventually catch up with them? And that's what—that's the next shoe to drop. Is I think at some point it will catch up. So I wrote this. I said, and just that, and just like that, the military is back in business, as the Hawaii Air National Guard F-22 Raptors recently deployed to Japan and trained in the Aloha State with an aggressor squadron for a high-end fight that the United States hopes will never come with China, but is preparing for nonetheless. So they create this ruckus with China, and all of a sudden they got to buy all kinds of new jets and fighting games and all kinds of stuff that's very expensive. Remember when we were, um, Trump canceled the, the, the war games in South Korea? Yes. And said they're very expensive, and um, they're antagonistic, and... and um, why why do that uh, and ruffle North Korea's feathers? Uh, be better off if we just all get along. Right. And uh, that would have been nice. But uh, I don't know. You know, it's uh, it's that. It's the uh, it's the crisis along the border. It's all the uninte- all all of the uh, unintended uh, consequences. Un- un- yeah, or all the unforced errors. Yeah. Uh, we have a caller. Caller, on, you're on the air. Yeah, good morning. Uh, uh, I would just like to make a comment. If you remember the details of the uh, perpetrators of the Boston Massacre, 
The one was a sleeper from southern Russia. His old idea was to cause terror. And as we look at some of these senseless shootings, and this one now in Colorado, uh, I can't help but think some of these sleepers are still around. As we look at the senseless shooter in Las Vegas, his whole thing was to embarrass the Second Amendment and our our constitutional rights concerning it. Uh, as we look at the uh, uh, shooter in uh, was it yeah, Atlanta, wherever uh, it, there were, the government did extensive experimentation with the use of uh, our government with the use of psychotropics and hypnosis. And uh, you can't help but wonder if uh, people were essentially, and if you look at the Magic 12 program, uh, there, were, there was a possibility of preparing people uh, to be used. And uh, I guess uh, you remember these incidents, don't you? I remember the what? You remember these incidents? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I, I think that uh, uh, I don't think we'll, we'll, we'll have our uh, uh, shadow government or deep state release any public information on it. But some of the senseless things that go on, uh, I can't help but think they're commensurate with their, that their timing. Also, uh, the Proud Boys and their orchestrated break-in into the Capitol and uh, PBS uh, just just sitting there. I mean, these things got to be set up ahead of time. Yeah. And their cameramen jumping right in and taking pictures of uh, people. Uh, there was uh, uh, a fellow named Whitley Strieber, who who had been on uh, many talk radio shows and was a supporter of uh, getting adequate care adequate care for uh, 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 disabled veterans. Uh, but anyway, he was right at the head of the group when he saw this bunch of people apparently uh, identified as Proud Boys breaking in simultaneously to the beginning of the uh, counting of the electoral votes in a joint session. Mm -hmm. uh, all these things seem time to cause havoc and, and the prevention of the information on the... Uh, that. Uh, uh, congressional people could could use. I think they got two hours apiece or something to challenge yeah. the uh, credentials of those uh, states, uh, uh, blue states. All right, uh, admitting people in our right. questionable uh, uh, voter information. But anyway, all these things uh, look to me, Scott, uh, like uh, they could be orchestrated. And I can't help but wonder as we are jerked around by the presentation of the national media and their, and their uh, tilt. Uh, things seem very interesting, and it seems interesting times. Yeah. But anyway, we appreciate your dedication and your show. Hopefully it gets out a little bit. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Did you see that story, too, about the... Um, the college basketball team, I forget which one, where they uh, the whole team took a knee and then they lost by 23 points. No, I didn't. 
to the national anthem. Oh, wow. It's, it's so disgusting. It is disgusting. And, you know, it just... Oh, you know what I heard t- earlier today? Um, the town of Evanston, which is where Northwestern University is located, well, apparently they are now they're the first um, city to pay reparations to African Americans. And I guess they're getting the money from certain, from taxes that are being imposed. Well, you know, on that, that, uh, on that basketball team, uh, it was like 100% black team, yeah. right? And I, I don't understand... Uh, because I care, I care a lot about uh, social justice issues. Right. Uh, I just think that conservative, uh, the, the black people who happen to be conservative, don't have. They've lost that chip on their shoulder, or they don't have the chip on their shoulder. And and in some cases, you don't really need that chip on your shoulder to get ahead in life. The chip on your shoulder is actually a weight. Yes. And um, I think it keeps you down. And and looking backwards is a fine way to run yourself into a tree. Right. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of grievances and there's a lot to be upset about and there's a lot to be um, angry about uh, if you're a black person or if, in my case, if you're a Native American person. Yeah. Right? And I could you sit could, around you could, and, you could you could grieve all day long i could sit around i could sit around and bang my uh drum and uh, uh all wave day your, long wave your tomahawk yeah I, I could sit around and do that and um you know or i could just get on with it right i could just get on and move on with it and uh and so i you know i choose to move on with it i'm a conservative native american i could tell you I have just as much problem with the liberal Native Americans right. as I do the liberal black people or the liberal white people for that matter. Right. Um, but there does seem to be a little bit of a different pedigree where, um, where or a different theme. Like black liberals look at themselves as victims that re- re- uh, are entitled to reparations. Right. I, I, don't, I don't even think that's an American way. Uh, and, it's, and the sooner we stop looking at color the sooner we can get on with our lives. Absolutely. And it's the Democrats that constantly want to bring it up and stoke the flames and, and make up stories. I mean, it's not just enough to um, to uh, act like Colin Kaepernick, who was raised, yeah. uh, adopted by white people, and has a lot to be grateful for for the American dream. He was a pro football mm-hmm. player, for crying out loud. Yeah. And he was the richest guy in the room. Right. And, and all of a sudden... Uh, he has all these grievances, and he's trying to stoke the flames. And it's for political gain. It's for right. political purposes. And I actually will tell you that I think whether it's the white Antifa anarchists or the Black Lives Matter Marxists, yeah, uh, they were exploited by the Democrat Party for uh, to, in an effort to get Joe Biden elected. They still, they didn't. It was the guys with the machines rigging the algorithms that actually got Joe Biden elected. But the idea is that they were using these people like slaves. The Democrats who endorsed slavery and whose party endorsed uh, slavery. And it was the Republican Party that was started to abolish slavery. And it says it on a plaque in Philadelphia, exactly those words, that it was formulated, it was started 
to end slavery. And then what happened was we had the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments that the Democrats fought tooth and nail. But the idea is that even today, where they're looking at skin color, just like Hitler looked at yeah. blonde hair and blue eyes, yeah. and, um, and just like that, you know, as soon as you start to look at identity politics, you're looking at the wrong thing. Not the content of one's character, but the color of one's eyes, color of one's hair, color of one's skin. That doesn't make any sense. And then you're going to put them in a quota system like you're a cattle in a corral? No, that's all wrong. That's all wrong and it, it needs to be resolved. But the Democrats consistently want to, you know, it might be... Uh, it might be of a different stripe, but it's the same playbook as where the, the ilk came from with Hitler and uh, the racists from the Jim Crow days. Okay. So just getting back to the Evanston story again. So the, yeah. so what they're doing is this initiative that's been in the works since 2019. They're trying to address discriminatory housing policies and practices faced by black residents it's a 10 million dollar program the first of its kind in the nation and it's going to be funded through marijuana sales tax revenue along with some donations so that's how they're doing it i mean you know again this is just not well, it's, 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 i don't even care how they're getting the money no, I don't but, even uh, care but, uh, but i think the concept is wrong yeah i don't even care if it's a donation from uh, a, a group of really rich black people i, I think it's it sets, I think it's a bad, wrong. it sets a bad precedent. Right. We're in a country where we've had an African-American president. We currently have an African-American or vice president. Well, they're both partially African-American. Well, but the point is, is that if we do things that are reparations, where does it end? It, no, it's, it it's doesn't never end. end. We need to focus on opportunity for everybody, not get into just all like, this race, j- identity, politics stuff. To me, just like gay marriage. Yeah. Um, you know, my issue was uh, with gay marriage was, you know, it disenfranchised those people that bought into the contract uh, that marriage was between a man and a woman. Yes. That's what it said on their contract. That's what it said, yeah. And so then all of a sudden now marriage is no longer that. It's something else. Okay. I mean, I have no problem, you know, with two people that choose to be homosexual or whatever it is. But the whole gay marriage thing, I remember when Kennedy one of the Supreme Court justices yeah. at the time, talked about the constellation of benefits. And there was uh, a, a lot of people that um, were were in these unions, and they were benefiting by being able to share the health insurance or yeah, whatever. Yeah. There was a constellation of benefits. Well, it said, uh, if you're married, you get a constellation of benefits. So therefore, uh, two men can or two women can get married and have a constellation of benefits. Uh, because they're being disenfranchised from that ability to have a constellation of benefits. Okay, well, then what that did was that took away the benefits of every gay union. Right. Because now, if you want to have the benefits, you got to get married. Right. Well, there was a lot of people that didn't want to get married. They wanted to cohabitate. Right. And what about what about people that are not homosexual that don't want to get married no, but I, want to cohabitate? No, and I said this. I said, you know, there are some socially... Um, there are some people that are socially um, challenged, or there are some people that are um, are, are handicapped uh, physically, or um, they're mental or mentally, um, where they can't find a mate right. in in this life. 
in this world. And they can't they struggle to find a mate. Now they're the only ones that are actually being disfranchised right. because they're not married or they're not in a union. They don't they can't find a, a lover, right? And so in those cases, uh, those are the people now that are the only people on earth that aren't getting a benefit. But see, it used to be from an estate planning perspective, farming, um, and uh, and procreation and building of community and Christian values that we uh, endorsed the support and it's created incentives for population growth and for healthy living. And that was what the whole yeah. original concept of marriage was supposed to be about, to promote um, positives. Right. And, and uh, Hungary had something that was kind of interesting, where they said, if you get married and you, you, know, you have your first child, we'll give you $35,000 equivalent, right? Right. And uh, that was a pretty good idea because it helped their population growth uh, be, and it helped them become more nationalistic. And in, in addition, as that child grows up to be a healthier child, uh, that child then becomes a more productive worker uh, as an adult and gives back to the Hungarian nation tenfold, a hundredfold, right? That 35000 becomes a, a little drop in the bucket right. compared to what they're going to take in through the lifespan of that taxpayer. So there's a lot of interesting um, things. Getting back to the guys taking a knee, I just think it's really bad optics for the black population. I think that more black leaders need to stand up and and uh, denounce it. They need to reject it. They need to say, you know what? Kale Sanderson's right. Kale Sanderson, the head coach of the Penn State wrestling team, when he talks about gratitude, and he inspired me to embrace the word gratitude. I've always loved the word, yeah. but it's a big part of my life and the way I live it is to be grateful for everything you got, to be grateful for every breath that gives me the strength to put a word out in this microphone, uh, to be grateful for getting to play the game. And so that's was his concept is there are a lot of wrestlers in this country that don't get to compete for a national title. And these Penn State wrestlers were able to do that over the weekend and won four national titles, individually national titles. Right. So the idea is about gratitude. Be grateful for the opportunity that you get to actually walk with two fine legs, not one amputated, out onto a mat, and under the spotlights and be cheered by a crowd, that's an opportunity of a lifetime. That's an experience that you'll never forget. And so there's gratitude in that. Even if you lose the match, be grateful. And believe me when I tell you that if you have that attitude in life where you could be grateful even when you lose just because you were able to play the game right. isn't such a bad thing. It's a, there's a lot worse th ways to go. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and get to a couple of audio clips. Um, and there's two. There's one about Kamala Harris. And there's also one from Trump and Greg Kelly talking about salesman Fauci. He throws the baseball better than he predicts. <laughs> I remember that was, a, that was an old clip. 
Um, but let's uh, take a listen. I got along with him actually very well. I liked him, but he was basically a salesman. And uh, he throws the baseball better than he predicts. That I can tell you about it. And the throwing the baseball hasn't been so good. And had I listened to Fauci, we would have never had masks. We would have never banned China. We would have never banned Europe. You know, I banned China, and he was totally against it. I banned Europe when Italy and all the places were having such problems, France. I banned them way early. We would have lost hundreds of thousands of people more. But as you know, they had a projected chart, 2.2 million people. And as you know, uh, nowhere near that. But most importantly, if you look at it, so importantly is the vaccine. Because in 1917, you had a thing called the Spanish flu where they left, they lost between nobody knows, but between 50 and 100 million people. And I'll tell you what, this would have done that too. This was, uh, this was, and is just a, a horror show. Finally, the China virus, call it whatever, call it whatever you want. The China virus, it came from China, but uh, this was a horror show and continues to be, but only because of the vaccine. And that was done in nine months. Nobody thought it was possible except. All right. So you know what? They called the China virus. I call it China virus from China terrorists. And guess what? There's new information out that indicates that uh the China virus, um, the China virus is actually could have been uh, caused by an accident, an a-, a military bioweapons yeah. accident. Did you hear about that? No, I did not. Yeah, that's uh, to me that is kind of an interesting deal. Um, Which brings up a whole bunch of other issues, because if it was caused by an accident, then, you you know, all right, on one hand, you can take a little bit of the uh, intent issue out of it. But then you have to ask the question of carelessness, how, you know, and how, you know, and how this happened. You know, so it, you know, you know, we we haven't known what has been the cause of this, you know, since this happened. We've had all all these theories, some hold more water than others. But this is mm. this is a new one. So it says breaking more evidence suggests that China coronavirus outbreak may have come from military bioweapons research accident. There is more evidence today that confirms what we suspected one year ago, and that is that the China coronavirus outbreak in Wuhan likely came from a bioweapon accident. I look at the Chinese as terrorists who committed genocide by hook or by crook, by negligence or by malicious intent. And somebody needs to hold them accountable for it. Somebody needs to write the history book right now accurately. There are people that know the answers to the questions. Yes. And the question is, who did it? Who did it? I want to know who did it. And nobody's going to be able to leave this room. And are you, ta- are, you, are you using that classic example from a classroom when the teacher yes. comes in and says, okay, who did it? Well, if nobody comes forward, then everybody did it. Yeah. Nobody can leave. Everybody did it. Everybody did Everybody's it. going to get the board, the yeah. paddle. I got the paddle. Did you ever get the paddle? No. I got I, hit I, with I the was, paddle. Uh, My paddle had holes in it. Wait, your teacher hit you with a paddle? Heck yeah! That was back in the days when they allowed uh, corporal punishment. No, I, no, yeah, I never. Line up against the wall yeah. and swat. No, no, that and never. And the whole thing echoed down the hallway yeah, no, while no. kids were in class, and then you had to walk back into class. 
That's <laughs> no, terrible. No, no, the it sounds like Chinese torture. No, the, the closest <laughs> thing I would say that I got to abuse from a teacher was from a math teacher. I think I was in sometime in high school. I started dozing off in the class. I used to have problems sometimes staying awake in class. And he started squirting a water pistol at me. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, that was kind of mean. You know, <laughs> That wasn't nice. All right, so uh, this is another one. Um, this is about... Uh, uh, this is uh, by Pat Paxton uh, about the border crisis. Let's take a listen. First of all, Shannon, I'm offended on, by Harris. that laugh by the vice president. Uh, for Americans, for Texans, for those families desperately trying to get here. Uh, you know, yesterday uh, there was a little girl that drowned in the river. Kamala Harris must think that's amusing to her. She must think that the the sex offenders who are coming into this country, uh, who will be coming to communities all over this country to assault children, uh, is funny to her. This is not a laughing matter for our country or for these people or for future victims. Um, so far, they won't call this a crisis. It's a design disaster, Shannon. By the way, uh, we're going to continue to play that clip. Yeah. Child sex trafficking up over one... Uh, over. 1,967%. Yeah. So 2,000% on the U.S. border. Wow. U.S.-Mexico border. Do you believe that? No, I, I do believe it because we we basically, um, you know, said the doors are wide open. And when they say the doors are wide open, they're not they're not just wide how open for the good people. They're wide open for the bad people. And how about COVID? They're spreading COVID all well, over the place? Exactly. They're, they're getting uh, kidnapped. They're being... Uh, Sex trafficked. I know it's it's insane what 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 the Democrats will allow to have happen. Yeah, to gain power. Yeah. and votes. Again, they want to convert these heads like cattle into numbers. Yeah, ID numbers. Then they take the ID numbers. They associate a registration with it. Yeah, they associate a registration with a ballot. Then they take the ballot and without ever even mailing it. Like I said, I told that story to you about the invoice. Yeah. I can create an invoice in QuickBooks, and I don't have to mail it. I don't have to email it. I don't have to send it. I could then write, receive a payment against that invoice without ever sending it out. Right. And just take a credit card, pay it, mark it paid. Now the invoice was created and paid without the invoice ever going out in the mail. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the idea is the ballot is the same way. Right. You actually need a customer to create the invoice, right? So yeah. in QuickBooks, you actually create the customer account. Mm -hmm. Then you can create an invoice that's associated with the customer. Mm -hmm. But you never have to mail that invoice. You can right. pay it, though. And then in QuickBooks, it all checks out. Yeah. So that's exactly what they've, they've done with the election. They, they need a customer, and the customer is that person that's ahead. They give that person an ID, a customer account number. Yeah. And once they got that, they can register you, they can create the invoice, the ballot, then they can pay the ballot or basically vote that ballot, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. I'm just trying to yeah. you know, simplify it, but it's... Uh, the same doggone thing. This is their plan. Their plan is to allow millions to come here, legalize them as soon as they can, get them registered to vote, and try to take the White House on the backs of people who 
are crossing the border by the thousands every day. Six of our Senate ladies, our six Republican ladies, went to the border. By the way, you just heard him say exactly what I just said? Yes. That's that's the Attorney General of Texas? Yes. I never heard that interview before. Yeah. Swear to you. So, it, you're, so you're channeling it. I, I'm telling you, I'd never heard that interview before, and that's he said exactly what I just said. You're the immigration whisperer. Yeah. And they went to the Del Rio sector, where they reported back to me that sex offenders are up 1,967% in just the Del Rio sector of Texas. Now, sex offenders are defined, Shannon, by people who we've already arrested for committing mm -hmm. sexual offenses against children, and they're crossing back two, three times in this country. And she laughs about it as the vice president. This is such a serious situation to the mm -hmm. sovereignty of our country, to the safety of our citizens, and to these people. And I'm an elected official. When I know there's something serious, I don't laugh about it. I don't joke about it. Because it's wide open. There is no control on the border. They're now apprehending people and turning them over without even giving them a court date. Not that that matters. There are hundreds of thousands of backlog. I mean, you can, you can cross the Rio Grande. If you can swim across, you can get across, and they greet you there and say, hey, hey, you're on your own. I mean, think about it. We're just letting them go into the country. We have, we have no idea what their criminal background may be. We have no idea if they have COVID. We have no idea where they're going. This is, this is ludicrous for this man to say this. He ought to be fired. And for Joe Biden to say he understands what's going on the border, it, again, it's either total negligence or total stupidity or a lack of caring. This is so obvious to see. Obvious to see every night. And where and where did this American public and this administration think we're putting all these people? What do they think we're doing with all of these kids? We we're capturing now again in the Rio Grant in the uh, Del Rio sector where our ladies were today, about now thirty five thousand people a month. We're on pace this year, Shannon, to break all records in Texas. We, we will be in the potential millions. We had 100,000 total this month, growing every month. We may apprehend well over a million this year. Apprehend. Some, again, we just say hello and go, and go, you know, go up to Illinois or New York or New Jersey, wherever you want to go. We don't care. We'll put you on a bus. Well, they'll go to a battleground state near you yeah. is what they'll do. That's what they'll hey, do. Hey, we're, we're out of time. Um, but uh, that was an amazing clip. Yeah. And uh, I got to tell you, it was almost finishing up anyway. But uh, in any case, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out buglecall.org and magapack.org and uh, check and see what we're doing over there. Uh, if you want the podcast, uh, check us out over at scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. And with that, my name's Scott Adams. My name's Leonor Corvetta. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Now see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. And grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.